expose my mind to clarity Oh, my spirit shudders Capture the moment, oh, keep my sanity No wisdom rushing in So much clearer Welcome back to another episode of Oh Shoot. I am your host, Cassidy Lynn, and we're here with another episode. I'm glad that you guys are here. Thank you so much for listening and so much for literally just being here. I'm very excited for today's episode. We are doing a photography advice column based on your responses. So this is going to be really good. I don't have any answers right now. I'm kind of just like trusting my gut with these answers. So yeah, let's hope I actually have some good stuff to say. So before we jump in, let me just update you guys on a few things. We got back from our road trip um, two days ago, three days ago. I don't know, just a couple days ago. And honestly, your girl just kind of jumped right into it. Um, yeah, I just jumped right into it. Literally, I just started working again. I had been working on the trip, but like actually, you know, working and like doing calls and whatnot. Um, yeah, so we're back better than ever. And I'm excited to just keep creating content, recording episodes and doing weddings. I have a lot of weddings coming up, so I'll let you guys know how those go. And yeah, so very excited for my upcoming weddings. Oh, let's see. Do I have any other updates? Oh, Appa, our dog. You can't see him, but he's on the ground. He got neutered yesterday. Sad. So we've kind of just been watching him. He's like, you know, kind of like a baby right now because he had surgery. So he's been sleeping a lot. But yeah, that's kind of our biggest update right now, other than the fact that Um, Me and Charlie are going to Houston next weekend for an engagement shoot, which I'm really excited about. And then after that, we are going to Seattle. So we're just all over the map this month and last month, and I'm not really mad about it. So yeah, that's I would say that's pretty much it with life updates. I'm just going to jump right into it because we have a lot of advice to give. You guys asked a lot of really good questions. So yeah, we'll just jump right into it. So I do want you guys to know that these um, like submissions came from my Instagram. So if you don't follow me on Instagram, go over to like the description, it'll be linked. And that's where I ask for your submissions and different things like that. So if you're interested in submitting anything, that's, that's going to be the place where I'm going to post about it. All right. So let's start with the first one. I love shooting weddings so much and I feel very confident in them after second shooting for a full year. As an 18 year old, how do I get people to trust me with their big day, even though I'm still young? That's a very valid question. I think at the end of the day, people are still going to have a hard time trusting you. There's just nothing you can do because your age is your age. Um, 
Uh, there, there are things that you can do, but like your age is your age. And some people might just judge you based on that and nothing else. And sadly, like if there are people like that, they're probably not the right fit for you. When it comes to trust, literally anyone can establish trust with a potential client. So my biggest advice is to build your, your portfolio and really just focus on, um, like giving good info and seeming like an expert specialized in weddings when someone reaches out to you about a wedding. This is kind of just like in general, like advice, but when someone reaches out about a wedding or any type of photography, they want to feel like you're specialized and that you kind of know like what's up. So that that's the best advice that I can give you to act specialized, be specialized, give them helpful info. And at the end of the day, if they don't, if they don't book with you because of your age, they're probably not the right client for you anyway. But I mean, I'm sorry that some people aren't trusting you. I think if you just have the photos to show for it, that's another great thing that you can literally say, okay, you don't trust me. I'm 18, but here's some photos that I've taken. I'm actually quite good. So you know, your loss if you don't book me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't say your loss, but you, you know what I mean? Like you have the photos to show and I think that's what's going to be the most important. Okay. Let's jump to the next one. Hey Cassidy, I love your podcast. My husband and I have a wedding photography and videography business. This year is our first full wedding season. Good for you. How do you handle ghosting after you've sent couples your pricing? I've tried everything like listing our starting prices on our website. So only people who are happy with our prices contact us and trying to bring more value like offering discounts if people book photo and video with us. We try to respond quickly to inquiries as well. We don't have a ton of work to show just yet. So maybe that's why. By the end of this year, we would have done about 15 weddings. So we will have more content. Do you do follow-up emails to people who haven't responded to you? How would you word these and how long do you wait to send them? Wow. Lots, lots happening here. So ghosting, that is a thing that a lot of photographers deal with. So let's talk about how not to get ghosted. Uh, This person said that they um, respond quickly. They put their starting prices on their website. They offer discounts if they do both photo and video. So like what, what's wrong? What's happening here? What I got to say is it's probably your portfolio. Like you said, you probably aren't showing what the client wants to see to book at that price point. Um, and it's, it's hard because you, you need to sell yourself on your work first and foremost, and then you can sell your work to other people. So I think that's the first thing is just being like, we don't have a ton of content to show, but what we do have is good and we're going to totally sell you on our services. Um, and we're the right people for you. Um, I firmly believe in email templates and I think having thought through really intentional email templates is one of the best things that you can do for not getting ghosted because these email templates are like, you've refined them to the point where, you know, like this is what works with the people that reach out to me. So, um, you should have an initial inquiry email template, an email template that like, so this email template that I'm talking about, this is what you would send to them basically within like one to two hours of them reaching out about a wedding. And you want to be as detail oriented, as precise as you can with everything they need to know. You want to give them a full gallery and just like 
all the things you want to be in this initial inquiry template thing that I'm talking about. Um, so this is an email that you would send them. Obviously, you would attach your pricing guide as well. Then I do send up a follow, send a follow up email three days after sending that initial inquiry email, um, and literally it just says like, "Hey, just wanted to check to see if you got my first email. If you didn't, I attached the pricing guide so you can see. If you did, um, I would love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to hop on a call with you. Here's a link to schedule a call with me. You just basically want to remind them like." Hey, I sent you my prices like you asked, and I would love to talk with you more. Just follow up with them. I have gotten so many people who I would say like, uh, I can't give a a percentage, but a lot of people who get my follow-up email, I get a response almost instantly telling me, oh, sorry, like we found someone else. Thanks again. Or, oh, sorry, I forgot to respond to you. We'd love to book with you. What are the next steps? Honestly, the follow-up email is the way to go in this situation. Um, and then I do have another follow-up email that I send like 15 days after. Um, usually this one doesn't get too many responses. These are probably the people who just are going to ghost me regardless. So I would say those are the things that you can do to help you with getting ghosted. I do think your portfolio impacts that and a lot of your branding and communication as well impacts whether or not you get booked. So having good systems in place in your back end, that's going to help you a ton. All right. This next one is from Sarah. Trying not to base your success on the amount of bookings you have. I'm just starting out, launched in January and bookings have been slow. I just want advice for the downtime and what I need to be doing to better benefit my business. So congrats on launch, by the way, first, first of all, congrats on launch. Um, I want you to know it's slow season right now, at least for me, it depends on where you live, but for the most part, slow seasons from like November all the way to like April. So it's slow season. If you're not getting bookings, don't be discouraged because literally it's slow season. Full-time photographers probably aren't getting a ton of bookings right now either. Um, I find a lot of my bookings happen like at the beginning of spring when people are thinking about the summer and then obviously like fall books up pretty quickly too. Um, Yeah, it's hard to know when booking times are for certain people. It literally depends on who you are. It depends on the photographer because some people it's like January and December when they get tons of inquiries and tons of bookings. Other people, it takes them until like, March or April. So it totally depends. Don't feel bad if you're not getting bookings right now. What you can be doing in the downtime to benefit your business. One, working on having a really good website. This is huge for booking. It's huge for securing clients, just letting your clients know what you're all about, what you do. So work on your website. I couldn't stress this enough. Work on your social media, work on your Pinterest and your Instagram specifically, work on reaching the right audience, creating enough content for your pages, connecting with your followers. All of that's really valuable in the long run for your business. You can also work on upping your client experience. So talk yourself through what steps you want your clients to go through when they book with you. That's going to be really great for when, I don't know, June or July comes around and you don't have time to be thinking like that because it's just shooting, editing, delivering, shooting, editing, delivering. That's all you have time for. So work on the back end of things right now. Um, you can also work on 
email templates. If you don't have those written out yet, you can work on a pricing guide, get an outfit guide in place. All of those things are going to be great for your business. Great question. So glad we were able to talk through that. (laughs) So this next one comes from Erilyn. Okay. So I've been in love with photography for a while now, but I've been slow to getting a business started. I've grown up in Washington state, which is where all of my friends and connections are. But in the three months I'm moving, but in three months I'm moving to Tennessee where I know no one. So I've been anxiously trying to build a portfolio now so I can have something when I get to Tennessee. I'm in a wedding Facebook group for the city, for the city um, I'll be moving to so I can begin to be making connections. I saw a lady requesting a photographer, but had a small budget. She said her fiance's grandmother was going to do it for free, but they'd prefer her to be a part of the special day instead of capturing it. With that being said, me being the new photographer that I am, who has no business or real experience aside from shooting friends, I impulsively messaged her offering to shoot her wedding for free. I want to throw myself out there and help build myself a wedding portfolio. But then, but then I woke up the next morning and literally thought, what was I thinking? I literally shoot on a Canon Rebel T6 with a 50 millimeter. This lady told me she would like me to do her wedding and now I'm totally freaking out. Should I back out or should I pretend to be a pro and just go for it? Wow. Erlene, good for you. I'm giving you a little applause. So I think what you did there is you put yourself out there and you took a risk that you normally wouldn't and now you're regretting it. But those 10 seconds of courage make such a huge difference in photography, in your business, just life in general. Having a little bit of courage can make such a huge difference. Think about the person who like, I don't know, shoot their, shoot their shot, shot their shot. I don't know. Went for their shot with like someone that they saw at a restaurant or like a cute guy that they saw and now they're married and they're happily married and they, they love life all because of 10 seconds of courage. So I think what you did is awesome. And I don't think that you should back out. Number one, backing out is going to create a bad name for your business before you even have the business. You don't want to do that. So you've already offered it. I personally think it would be great experience for you. I don't think that having a Canon Rebel is bad. I don't think you, I don't think a Canon Rebel can't capture a wedding. I totally think it can. You have a 50 millimeter 1.8. That's great. So at this point, I think you say, yeah, absolutely. I can shoot it and act like a pro, maybe invest in some different lenses or maybe invest in upgrading your camera body. But even if you don't, I still think you could do it. Um, then put together, you know, maybe a questionnaire or, um, figure out their timeline, do a phone call or a meeting with them just so you give them a really great, great client experience and then show up and shoot the wedding. Um, the best advice I can give you for the wedding itself is do tons of research, watch YouTube videos, think through a wedding day. Um, if you're attending any weddings before the wedding that you offered to shoot, literally pay extra, extra, extra attention to where the photographer is. Even if they don't have a photographer at that wedding, just pay attention to how the order of events works. Um, I totally think that you got this. And the worst thing that can happen from this is maybe you don't love the photos, but you did it for free and you got experience. And now you know how being a wedding photographer works. So Erilyn, you got this. 
Um, I would also be freaking out just a little bit, but I think um, in the time that you have from now until the wedding, do your research. If you don't shoot on manual, learn how to shoot on manual do tons and tons of shoots before this. So you feel super duper extra confident for the wedding. All right. (laughs) Best of luck to you. And we're going to move on to the submission from Juliana. I cannot for the life of me keep a client after I tell them the price of my sessions. My sessions are not expensive at the slightest a hundred dollars max because I'm still a beginner for my business. And I always ask that people pay half of the cost up front when they want to book, but they, but then they never respond. How can I fix this and get more clients? Um, so what it sounds like to me, um, you're charging cheap because you're a beginner. Um, but still people are reaching out and not booking with you. Um, what, what I have to say about this, it most likely is not a price thing. Asking people for $50 to secure a date is not expensive. So that shouldn't be a problem either. There's got to be some problem or like something going on outside of the pricing. Um, And because you didn't really expand on it, I can't really tell you exactly what it is. Maybe it's um, you're attracting only price shoppers. And so they found someone cheaper and they don't care about the quality of work. They literally just care about the fact that they found someone cheap. I don't necessarily know if that's 100% the case because you should still be getting people who find your work and want to book with you regardless. So it could be a matter of your work too. I haven't seen your work. It could be a matter of your communication. Maybe you're not responding to someone quick enough. Um, those are just a few things that could be influencing whether or not someone books with you. We did just like a couple of submissions ago, talk about ghosting. So I don't want to like be, I don't know, just overdo it. But, um, yeah, just kind of think through those different things, um, as to why someone might not be booking with you. Like I said, it could be a matter of portfolio too. Um, so yeah, I hope that helps. Okay. This next question, what are my first steps towards officially establishing myself as a business? Right now, I don't pay taxes for my photography income or have myself registered as a legal entity. Do you recommend starting an LLC or registering as a DBA? Everything is so confusing. Everyone gives me different advice. I don't want the IRS to come after me, LOL. (laughs) I don't think anyone wants the IRS to come after them. (laughs) So... This is a really great question. Um, Like you said, you get tons of different advice from everyone and it's confusing. I 100% can believe it. And I think the reason you get different advice is because there's really no right answer. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Um, They're all just kind of mediocre details that um, for some people make a difference legally. Other people, it doesn't matter because they're not at that point legally. So There's different types of businesses that you can open depending on if you have employees or, you know, whatever, what type of protection you want. So I'm just going to tell you what I am. I am an LLC. I was advised to be an LLC. So far, it's been good. I haven't had any problems with being an LLC. So that's that. Um, I don't, I can't advise you with the other types of things because I'm not really specialized in that. But I do know a lot of photographers will float between either being an LLC or an S Corp. 
And um, I can't 100% tell you the difference between those two either, because that's literally something Google could answer for you in two seconds. But um, yeah, those are usually the two that I hear a lot of photographers floating between. Um, So then if we want to talk about taxes, just briefly, um, with your photography income, there is a certain threshold in your state where you live um, to where if you're making X amount of dollars, you need to start paying taxes. It differs state to state. So I can't tell you exactly what that number is. You can literally Google how much money do I need to make to start paying taxes? Um, if that number is, let's say it's $500 and you make $1,000. Well, you got to start paying taxes. So um, if you find that that's the case, don't freak out. All you It's really not that hard to pay taxes. You just have to keep track of your income. You need to keep track of your expenses with receipts and then go to an accountant at the end of the year. Um, I use QuickBooks Self-Employed to keep track of all of that. There's a lot of info for you. I just kind of threw it at you. Um, I hope that helps. Um, but just know like for me, I would say one of the most stressful parts of my business was starting the LLC and paying taxes. But looking back on it, it wasn't even as bad as I thought it was going to be. I was so scared for it. And then like, I just did it and I just, you know, opened the LLC, just found an accountant, whatever. And now I'm like, oh, that really wasn't that hard. It's just like, it's kind of just that scary feeling of like, oh, I'm just nervous about it. But then afterwards you're like, oh, that wasn't even that bad. Um, so I hope that helps a little bit. So next we have a submission from Hannah and I'm just going to say, I don't think we're going to get through all of these. I might have to do a separate episode because we have literally so many of these. Um, and I don't want to just like not answer some. So this is from Hannah. Um, Hannah said, starter camera. I have a photography class and used, oh, I've had a photography class and I used to have my own Canon DSLR, but eventually sold it, felt it was bulky while traveling. What would you suggest as a camera to invest in? Um, I do got to say it depends on what you're wanting to shoot. Um, totally depends on kind of what you're wanting to get into. If you're just getting into travel, um, and you just want to travel, I might recommend, like I have a little tiny Sony camera. It's the Sony RX 100, I think is what it's called. It's great for travel. It's small, compact. You can't change lenses or anything like that. It's definitely a point and shoot. But if you do want to get into like travel photography, but then maybe eventually portraits, weddings, or just whatever, um, I might recommend starting with um, maybe like a Sony A6000. Uh, The Sonys, um, the early Sonys are, they're very compact, but they also have pretty bad battery life, but they're really compact and they're super nice for traveling. So you kind of have to like, think about that too. A Canon Rebel is really good for starting off, but like you mentioned, it's bulkier and, um, but the battery life is better. So, um, there's pros and cons to both of them. Those are like, if you're on a budget and you want to start, um, I personally love the Sony a seven three and will always recommend it to people. It's not too expensive. Um, but it's literally, it's great. It's an all in one camera. Like it's full frame. 
Um, and then I would recommend obviously like a 35 millimeter with it. But if you do want like more of those budget options, I would say either the Sony a 6,000 or a Canon rebel. Okay. So this next submission is from Sarah. Sarah asks how to schedule shoots with rain. Do you reschedule every time it rains? Uh, I don't think I've ever talked about this on my podcast ever. So thank you, Hannah, for introducing this new topic, um, which it's not even a new topic. It's literally just the weather. It's just rain. So when it comes to weather and rain, I am always willing to reschedule. Let me say I know a few photographers and I've seen photographers who aren't willing to reschedule and they shoot rain or shine. That's your business. If you want to shoot rain or shine, you can do that. If your schedule is literally so busy that you can't fit in a reshoot, you might want to consider a rain or shine policy in your contract. I personally don't book my calendars so full that I don't have an opportunity for a reshoot. Um, like if I allow, let's say three shoots per week, um, usually I could fit in four, you know, like I truly, I could fit four. I just only want to fit three. So that kind of extra wiggle room allows me to reschedule. Um, if it does rain, I 100% say we can reschedule. Absolutely. Here are the dates that I'm available. Um, we could do literally the next morning. Um, we like I, I make room for reshoots um, even during personal time because, you know, it's just something that happened and we can't really control it. Um, so, yeah, I absolutely reschedule based on weather. There are other things I won't reschedule for, but definitely weather kind of out of your control. You can also offer like an indoor option if it does rain. So, um, you know, if there's a studio nearby or I don't know, like a good indoor location that you can use as a backup, th that works too. If you were planning on shooting in, a, in an open field and you just tell them like, Hey, just so you know, if it rains, this is our backup location that might work better with your schedule. If you're having a hard time with scheduling, do you wish that you could spend less time editing? Yes, I do too. And if you said no, you're lying to make your editing life easier. Let's talk about our podcast sponsor today. Filter pixel filter pixel is an AI culling application that helps you organize your photos post shoot. It's literally so fast and it'll automatically select your best photos based on focus and eye quality. I've been using filter pixel and not only does it load my raws so fast, it also sorts my photos within minutes. Yes, minutes. Filter pixel sorts my photos into different categories so I can know which photos have issues and which don't. And it even creates tags based on the pose and the type of photo. So it will do a tag like perfect focus, dancing, and even hugs. Once you start using filter pixel, you're going to have so many less culling hours that you're going to have more happy hours. Go to filterpixel.com and use the code OSHOOT for 10% off. That's filterpixel.com for 10% off. It'll also be linked in the description. Next up, we have a submission from Alina. In what ways were you able to grow your photography business location-wise? For example, out-of-state inquiries and business trips. Was it something you think you were able to do by planning it? Did it just come along the way or was it something that came along by clients reaching out with those requests? And what were some challenges for you when you were photographing at places you've never gone to or ones you aren't used to? This is a loaded question, but I'm happy to answer it. So let's, let's kind of dive into that first part um, of like 
how do you get into the out of state travel photography? Is it something that you planned? Did it just come along the way? So for me, I did a lot of out of state traveling because people were asking me to. Um, and especially within my first, um, I would say year two, year three of me doing weddings, I was getting a lot of word of mouth referrals. And I got to say the power of a word of mouth referral is so strong that people are willing to take you across the country because their friend recommended you. So I want you to keep that in mind with everything that I say about this. The power of word of mouth will get people to spend amounts of money they normally wouldn't and take you to places that normally you wouldn't go. So I, um, my first couple of just like out of state weddings, well, I was shooting in New York, but I also lived, my home was in Michigan. So, um, I I went back and forth between New York and Michigan a lot. Um, but I, I got, um, a wedding that was in Texas and that was one of my friends from college that got married in Texas and she was willing to fly me there and pay my rate. Um, so I was like, okay, yeah, I'm absolutely willing to go to Texas. Um, and if you want to get into more of that traveling scene and someone maybe reaches out about a location, definitely like be willing to work with them on budget. Like you could say like, you pay my normal package price. I'll cover my plane ticket. Um, if it's somewhere you really want to go, like why not do that? Right. Or, um, with some of these earlier travel weddings I had, I was just saying like, find me a place to stay, cover the ticket, pay my package price and I'm there. So I would stay with the bridal party. A lot of the times I would just stay in a room in the house with all of the bridesmaids. And I'm like, you know what? It's fine. I got my home room, have a bathroom. I'm fine. So that's kind of my beginning of like traveling with weddings and stuff. Um, I think as you start showing yourself traveling and showing that you're willing to go different places and shoot, the more that that becomes an option for people. Um, A lot of photographers will book out-of-state elopements or out-of-state weddings with people who are actually based where they live. It's just like someone based, let's say, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, but wants to get married in Cabo. Um, You just have those destination weddings, and it's almost easier to find someone local and just fly them out to you because finding like a local Cabo photographer is a lot harder than just finding someone that you know, is in your area that you can meet and probably is going to be cheaper than a Cabo photographer. So with all that being said, that's kind of how I got into travel weddings. I don't do a ton of travel weddings, um, but I do, I do travel here and there. Um, so let's go into the second part of this question, which was what are some of the challenges when you photograph at places you've never gone to? One of the biggest challenges is the fact that you've never been there before, so you don't know good locations, and it can be hard to find good locations if you fly in the day before. Um, You might not have time to scout for locations, so a lot of the times, it just comes with teamwork. You have to work with your couple getting married or, you know, whoever you're taking pictures of, work with them on finding a location, maybe um, Google locations or have them go look for spots. Um, It's definitely teamwork when it comes to locations and that that's a huge hurdle that you kind of have to go through when you're doing travel stuff. Um, and then I think just another thing would be the fact that I don't know, like you're just, you're just not used to those spots and even you can do as much research about a location as you want. So for example, Yosemite, 
Um, I did a session in Yosemite. You can do as much research about the locations as you want, but you never know until you get there and you shoot it. And I think that's what's scary about doing a lot of travel stuff is just like, it's hard to know. So if you're able to get to a location before a shoot, check it out, scope it out the day before, even just a couple of hours before that's going to help you a ton. That's a really great question though. So let's go on to the next one. This one's from Hannah. Um, feeling stuck completely in my photography. Like I'm not getting anywhere or getting anything done. I, I just really feel this sometimes. Um, if you feel stuck, um, feeling stuck, it's, it can be a result of a few things. One of the biggest things would be mentally, you're just not loving your work, or maybe you're just not feeling passionate about photography as much as you used to. Um, if that's the case, try to respark that passion. Um, you can go and shoot something that you've always wanted to shoot or put together a shoot that just excites you. For example, this kind of happened to me. It was about a year and a half ago. And I put together this like Chick-fil-A shoot where um, I wanted, I've always wanted to kind of do something a little bit more grungy and fun. And I wasn't super busy. I was feeling stuck. So um, a dress company reached out to me and I did some photos of a wedding dress, found models. And I was like, how can I make this fun and unique and make me actually excited about this? I found Chick-fil-A is what happened. And I, I gave them Chick-fil-A. They're sitting on the side of the street and it was just such a fun shoot for me. I was like, I've never done anything like this before. And that really helped me because after that, I was like, I could play in shoots all I want. And like, I could do all of these fun ideas that I have in my head. Um, so if you're feeling stuck, I dec definitely recommend trying something like this and just shooting something that you don't normally shoot. I'm sorry that you feel stuck. Um, and I, I don't know like what your situation looks like and yeah, but, but I do know that it sucks and I'm sorry, but also you got this. Like if photography is something that you want to pursue, go after it. Also, I just want to say that like full-time photography is not for everyone. Like you don't have to make photography your full-time job by any means. Um, if you want to do a part-time, go for it. That is totally fine. Like I just want to say it's not for everyone. So if you're feeling stuck and you're feeling like, oh, I'm never going to make it to full-time full photography, just know it doesn't have to be for everyone. You could do it part-time if it's your passion and have a nice side income. Okay. So let's move on to the next one. Um, this one's from Rebecca. I want to get into education and helping other photographers. Do I just start making videos or do I need a following first? Thank you. So um, I'm laughing. I just did like a little bit of a chuckle because it's like, do I make videos or do I need the following first? How, how are you going to get the following if you don't make videos and you don't post the content? You know what I mean? So if, if you want to get into education, like Rebecca, you want to get into it and help others. You have to start by creating the content that's going to help others. Like people aren't just going to start following you if you say, oh, I promise I'm a photography educator. I promise I am like, show us like, are you like, I want to see it. Like I want to, I want to know your teaching style. So 100% start making videos, um, getting into photography education. A lot of people have different ways of doing it. Um, I personally just always have loved teaching photographers. I think I shared this a little bit in my episode 
of how I got into photography education, but I've always loved teaching photographers. So, um, kind of start on that scale, start by teaching what you know to the people that already follow you. And naturally you're going to attract others if they want to learn from you as well. So you don't need the following first, definitely just go out there and start teaching. Also don't think that photography education is just making reels or just making videos. It's so much more than that. Um, there's, you know, guides and I don't know, like podcasts and even just like in your carousel posts, like in your posts on Instagram, in your captions, you can educate people. So, um, stories too, like literally all of it. So yeah, you definitely should just start creating the content. Don't feel like you need to have a hundred thousand followers to be a photography educator by no means, by no means. Okay. So this next one is about second shooters. Um, it's hard finding good second shooters. They can be so dramatic and, or irresponsible. I had one sign the contract and then after I paid her, she told me that she didn't read the contract, but now that she looks back at it, it's deeply offensive to her. Interesting. How do you find good second shooters? What expectations do you set? What makes a good or a bad second shooter? Um, that, that question, what makes a good or a bad second shooter, you'll know in your gut if someone's a good or a bad second shooter. So, um, for me, I got lucky because Charlie was willing to learn, um, from me and I was able to teach him how to be a second shooter. But to be honest, the second shooters that work best for me are the ones that don't have like their own business agenda in mind. Like they genuinely just want to grow their portfolio and help. Like literally the people who are willing to help and serve are the best second shooters for me. So, um, yeah, if you're looking for second shooters, like don't give up, there's great second shooters out there. Most of those people have their own business already and they might, you know, graduate into being mainly the main shooter, but you can snag those people while they're growing and while they're willing to learn and serve, those people are great second shooters. Um, also, you can kind of just like put it out there and post like, hey, I'm looking for a second shooter. Um, I did that for um, a few second shooters and I found great people um, through that. A lot of the times I try to use people that I know and people that um, I know can give me quality photos. So um, I have like a few photographer friends and like photographer friend groups that I would probably go to first before trying to branch out and find some stranger. And I know that that doesn't sound fair for pe people looking for an opportunity, but I do need to look, you know, at my business first and foremost and make sure that I'm able to provide quality photos at the end. So, um, some, sometimes you kind of just have to go with the people that, you know, get that list of like four or five people that you really trust people that you've worked with before and go from there. But just know, like give, give some people a chance to like, if you are like, man, I just can't find everyone and I can't find anyone give, give someone a chance that maybe you normally wouldn't consider. And you might be surprised, um, for expectations, make sure that they're willing to like, not necessarily post and like post about the wedding. Like they can post about the wedding and like, you know, use it for their portfolio. But like if, if they are coming in with good intentions, they, they could be willing to not post the photos at all and just shoot for you. Now, when I say that, 
I let my second shooters post and use the photos for their portfolio. Cause that's, that's probably why they're doing it right. To, to be able to use the photos, but, um, someone that's willing to even do it and not post about it. Like that's someone that you could tell genuinely has good intentions. Um, when it comes to other expectations, um, make sure they know how long you want them for. Make sure that they're comfortable working with the bridal party. Um, usually I ask to see a full wedding gallery and photos that they've done in low light. Those are two things that are really important for me. Um, especially low light, a lot of a wedding day happens in a low light situation. Okay. So let's go to the next one. (laughs) This one is about posing. Are we surprised? No, I'm surprised I haven't gotten a posing question so far. So this one's from Abby. Uh, literally any posing advice you could give I'm down for because I freeze every single time. (laughs) It's embarrassing and makes me have imposter syndrome so much worse, man. Posing. Let's talk about posing for a little bit. So when you freeze up, it's a normal thing to freeze up. Just want to let you know, um, that is just because you maybe haven't prepped and haven't really walked through the session before in your head. So I would recommend going through the session in your head and thinking about, okay, I want them to do this pose. And then we're going to walk over to this spot and do this pose. Um, what I like to do is I like to do almost all the same poses usually for a session. I'll, you know, kind of vary a few. And then I like to leave room for myself to just be creative and try some fun things, some unique things, maybe laying down or some kind of shutter, slow shutter, blurry stuff. Um, so remember, like if you freeze up, try to think, how can I get creative with the pose I've already done? Um, could I move them to a different backdrop? Um, could I maybe have them sit? Could I maybe have them stand on something that is near us? Could they, um, I don't know, lay down? Just, just try to think of like, how can I make this creative? Um, and if you need a minute, like literally tell your couple or your client, like, Hey, let's take five. Um, I'm going to go grab some water and we'll take five and then we'll come back and keep shooting. That is totally normal to do. Like it's normal to be like, Hey, I need a minute. Um, I mean, I don't usually do it, but like, if you're doing anything creative, like I feel like a lot of the times you kind of have to work on the terms of the artist. So if you need five, take five. Um, as far as like shooting goes, I love to get tons of variations of the same pose. So I try to get landscape and portraits, um, far away shots, close up shots. Um, I'll try to rotate around my couple completely just so I can make sure I got enough photos. Um, also I like to ask them like if they have any ideas or they have anything that they wanted to do. A lot of the times I get people who are like, yeah, actually I saw this pose and I, this one pose I thought would be really cute. And I'm like, heck yeah. Like that sounds amazing. Let's try it. So you can also turn to your clients too. Obviously don't depend on your clients to get you a good shot. Like don't depend on them to know poses, but if you need to like, ask them. I usually ask at the end of a session when I'm like, okay, I don't have any other poses in my brain. I ask them like, Hey, did we get everything? You got anything that you want me to get? So that's my best advice for you. This next one is from, I think it's pronounced Kalia, which is a better investment for a beginner. 
a better camera or better lenses? Ooh, good question. I'm going to say better lenses. I personally know I had a Canon Rebel when I first was starting and I slayed photos because I had a 50 millimeter with a low aperture. I think like obviously your camera body affects whether or not you get good photos sometimes like it can affect quality. Um, but for the most part, if you have a good lens, like that really is going to impact style and the look of your photos. When you upgrade to a full frame camera, it does impact quality a ton. It does impact file size. Um, so I'm not going to say that doesn't happen, but I truly think that a lens can give you such a good shot. So the difference between like an 18 to 55 kit lens that the aperture only goes to F 4.0 versus a 50 millimeter that can get you to F 1.8. That's going to make a difference with getting a nice blurry background and getting some bokeh. So yeah, I'm going to have to say lens on that one. Great question. Okay. Um, wow. We have a lot more and we're at like 40 minutes already. Okay. So <laughs> Let's try to get some of these answered quickly. Um, I might have to do a separate episode. Oh, man. I'll try to fly through these guys. Well, no, I might do a separate episode with some other ones. I'll kind of like mix episodes. So let's get this um, submission from, I think it's pronounced Morella, maybe. Um, I'm shooting my first wedding, but I would love if you could give me advice and explain the process. For example, get pictures of details, the ring, shoes, whatever. So, um, I think I did an episode like, I don't know, it might be somewhere in episodes one through 20. There's an episode of my entire shooting process. And I talk through shooting a wedding day with Charlie. So that would be a really good episode for you to listen to. Um, I can briefly just go over kind of like what I would shoot at a wedding. So I start with detail shots, like you said, shoes, rings, the dress, etc., And then I do getting ready shots. So basically until people are ready, I'll get shots of that. Um, sometimes during this time, I'll also sneak to the reception and get some detail shots of the reception if it's ready. Then I will get um, getting dressed shots and a first look if there is one. So sometimes first look with bridesmaids or groomsmen or first look with dad, whoever. Um, then we'll do bridal portraits typically. And for bridal portraits, I'm just getting tons of variations, tons of different poses, going to different locations. Um, sometimes I drive, sometimes I walk, sometimes um, my couple rides with me. Um, then at this point, I usually do bridal party photos, typically at some of the same locations as bridal portraits. Um, then we'll jump into the ceremony. I'll usually stand at the front opposite of, um, well, I, opposite of the groom or on the same side as the mom of the person who's walking down. Um, and then when they come down the aisle, I'll then transition to the back of the ceremony and get shots from there. Um, and obviously get shots of them walking up the aisle afterwards. Um, from that point, I usually do family photos, um, some additional portraits if they want them. And then the reception, I'll at the reception, get the dances and I'll stand usually wherever the lighting is best. Um, dances, speeches. I try to use a longer lens for speeches, so I'm not interfering. And then, um, after speeches usually is 
dinner. Oh, I kind of got it mixed up. I think dancing comes after dinner. Well, it just depends. But then I'll do dinner. I usually eat, obviously. Um, and then dancing. And usually with dancing, I like to use a little bit of a wider lens. And I like to have fun with it because typically... Um, you know, I, I'm there for much longer than I need to be. So I can get some variations and just try different methods of like shutter drag or front facing flash or bouncing the flash, whatever. So that is the answer to that question. Um, let's do maybe one or two more. So this next one is from Sophie. Sophie asks, how do you book clients when you live in a small town? So I used to live in a pretty small town in upstate New York. And I just got to say, like, you're not always going to book people just in your town. Um, I want to encourage you to branch outside of your town to other towns around you and even to your, like, biggest, like, city that's closest to you. Because at the end of the day, like you might not be able to get enough business in just your small town, especially if it's like a really small town. Photography is not going to be able to sustain you if you only get, you know, if there's only like 30 people in the town and everyone's married already and they just need like one session a year or whatever. So um, I definitely would recommend being willing to branch out to other towns around you. So what I did when I was in upstate New York was um, I was booking stuff in Albany, which is about an hour to an hour and a half from where I was living. And, you know, obviously you charge travel and everything, but, um, I was getting a lot of bookings there and kind of the areas in between you, you just never know who you're going to book in those random towns, um, on the way to a big city. So I would recommend you advertising to those areas as well, using Instagram hashtags targeted towards a bunch of the smaller areas around you. And then the small towns on the way to a big city as well. And definitely be willing to go to a big city um, to get shots, to get sessions, to get weddings, whatever. So we are going to do one more. And uh, this one is from Andrea from Arizona. Um, Andrea says, OMG, I love your podcast and I've learned a lot from you. Thank you. Um, I have two kiddos and my husband and I have an adventure page on Instagram where we share our vehicle builds and overland adventures as a family. I'm struggling with managing my time as a full-time photographer, mother, wife, and overlander. Hope you can give me some advice on time management. Great, great question. Um, one of my favorite podcast episodes is with um, Monique Sarah. It was... I think it's like in somewhere episodes 40 to 50 with her. And I think it's 46, actually. It's episode 46. She talks about managing your time, how to be a mom and just like prioritize things. It's a really great episode. I would highly encourage you to go listen to that episode. Because I'm not a mom, I can't 100% like give you this amazing answer about kids and photography because I'm not there yet. But I do know that like your systems that you have in place are going to help you so much. Um, so having HoneyBook or a client management software to help you with emails and contracts and all of that, your calendar, that's going to be huge for you. Another thing would be just like setting aside time to work and time for personal and being very strict with those times. Maybe those times are when your kids are sleeping. I don't know. Do they still nap? I don't know <laughs> if, if this person has like, I don't know, teens or something. It's probably not applicable, but you know, set aside time to edit and time to do that stuff and to do business stuff. And then 
follow a boundary of, okay, I'm not working past this time. And that's that. Like you have to set the boundaries and you really have to stick to them. Um, If you feel like you are struggling with time, it might be worth it for you to outsource something. Um, I always tell people outsourcing is like what you do when there's a task or just something that you're not passionate about anymore, or it's just not appealing to you. So Pinterest, blogging, um, emails, maybe it's editing, whatever it is that you're just like, eh, I'm not feeling this anymore. This takes a lot of my time. I feel like I could be dedicating my time to something else. Then I would highly recommend you going and outsourcing if you can one of those things to free up more time for you to be with your family. Um, at the end of the day, um, you know, is it worth an extra $50 per gallery to get it outsourced for you to be able to spend time with your kids? I would say yes. I would 100% say that it's worth $50 a session to be able to send it to someone else to edit. So then you could have time to go to a soccer game. Um, so yeah, that, that would be my advice. I'm getting a little bit passionate about this. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you writing in Andrea and I hope that those answers helped you. So we're going to wrap up the episode here. Um, I might do a short little version of more advice in the future, but thank you guys so much for writing in and thank you for listening this far. I really appreciate it. And I hope everyone has a great rest of their day. Expose my mind to clarity Oh, my spirit shudders Capture the moment, oh, keep my sanity No wisdom rushing in So much clear